Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Your lineup for today on the podcast in the format of the Handforth Parish Council. So I'm going to throw it out there and I'll let you decide, each of you one by one, which character you are. I know straight away that Sean Walsh is Alid's iPhone. Sean Walsh is very much <laughs> read them and understand them. Hundred <laughs> percent. Jude, I think Jude, you've done a questionnaire. Well, I did. I did one off the tab, which uh, <laughs> gave, you, gave you gave you the. Uh, I want to say character, but they're real people, aren't they? So, they gave you the character. <laughs> it's just so. It's like a Netflix so, special, isn't it? I know. Yeah, we need six episodes on it. Um, but it was the, it was the guy who kind of looked like Jez Corbin, who shouts out. Uh, Something like, yeah, quite right, after the, <laughs> after the chair says he's been kicked out <laughs> before. Brilliant. Dan, what do you reckon you, which character do you reckon you would be? As the voice of reason, I reckon I'm probably Jackie Weaver. Yeah, you are, you're Jackie Weaver, and you do have the authority here, very much yeah, so. Yeah, the, the authority, the reasonable character being berated by idiots on all sides. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I might be Ian. And might be Ian, the guy who's sort of like just kind of sitting there in the background saying stuff, and then occasionally says like, "It's not going to be a good look if this goes viral." <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Let's get into it. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful. We're going to break it down into four sections: Spurs versus West Brom, back to winning ways off the back of three defeats, and I mean there was some seriously unwanted records that potentially could have fallen our way had we lost to West Brom or dropped points against West Brom. Firstly, there's no point in in beating around the bush here. It was so important, Jude, that we just got a win and and nipped that rubbish run in in the bud. Yeah, yeah. We were at the point where other teams have started to pick up a few little points here and there. Obviously, City have, you know, gone charging up the table, so they're way, way ahead now. But the other team sort of in and around us, 
we're just, uh, you know, like Chelsea have put now three wins together and even West Ham are doing well. So we just needed to nip that little poor on a farm in the bud. And, yeah, uh, Ch- Chelsea win, 10 it? points from 12 under Tuchel. It's, it's annoying, Without being it? that impressive either. They've just sort yeah. of done the bare minimum and, you know, they obviously beat us the other day, which was shocking, but... <laughs> yeah, it's good to good to see our team win again. <laughs> Shawnee, Harry Kane arriving to the stadium was a treat, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting either. Like you know, I thought with each injury that Kane has, you think they'll be a bit more cautious with each time. But every time, it's just like, nope, you can walk, get get him in. So, <laughs> he <laughs> thankf- walk. Thankfully, he he looked fine. He had a couple of chances early on. He didn't quite hit them the way he would have wanted to, but he seemed mobile still. He seemed like his old self, and that's good to have him back in the squad. And Mourinho said after the game, you know, we're naturally going to depend on him because he's our probably our best player. He's one of the top three, top five best players in this league. So we needed him back to really have a good chance of ending the run yesterday. But before we get properly stuck into it, Dan... Where does that fall for you? The fact that Spurs are so reliant on Kane and the fact that he played yesterday, is that good, bad, ugly or beautiful? But I think it's a bit of all four. I don't think it's a great thing that Spurs look so reliant on Kane at the moment. And obviously the reaction to the West Brom game from most quarters has been the Harry Kane, you know, they're the Harry Kane team, which was kind of my reaction to the, the Chelsea game more, almost more than the West Brom game just because that was so bad without him. Uh, I think it's it's inevitable that with a player that good, you're going to be dependent on him to some degree. Like I think any team in the world would be improved by Kane. And I think any team in the world would would miss him when he was gone. But I think you know clearly his absence really exposed a kind of lack of patterns of play and attack and sort of systems and structures around him. And and that needs to be what Spurs look look at now it can't just be right Kane's back so we're just going to rely on him for inspiration every match there has to be kind of more to their forward play than that and I think like I suppose we'll come on to that but I think you kind of hope that his absence will end up being a positive in the long run and that Mourinho will will kind of use it to, to maybe address um, some of the structural problems that the team has um, that are just kind of papered over whenever Kane plays because he's so good. Yeah, the, there's one moment in particular which, which I found sort of it, it, everything just kind of came beautifully into focus and that was the ball flying into him at chest height, like bulleted into him and he turns it round the corner to Lucas who then suddenly is running directly at the defence and then it's sort of, it was it's really... It was, like you said, Dan, it was a bit of all four because you're sitting there and go, wow, what a bit of play. And then you go, oh my God, we haven't had that since he went off against Liverpool. Yeah, I think you just take for granted as well, like how good he is. I think I had anyway. Just you'd, It's just kind of run of the mill how great he's been. And then suddenly he's not there and you're like, oh, you know, this is really awful. And, and you, you see someone else trying to do what he did, you know, Vinicius against Chelsea in the second half against Brighton and... You know, this is not to pan him. I feel a bit sorry for him. He obviously needs kind of a year to get up to speed in the Premier League because most people do. But you just kind of realise how light years away from Kane's level he is uh, and how all these kind of little touches and um, runs and uh, just, just just everything he does, you realise how great it is and how much uh, Spurs miss him when he's not there. We really need Kane now 
now like nowadays more than we did in the seasons past because he's kind of taken like the Ericsson role of the primary creator in that kind of final third like coming deep going out wide so you really notice that like Vinicius obviously can't do that like that's not something in his locker so and what what sort of stat what was it um Kane now hit 20 goals in seven consecutive seasons now in all comps it's insane so we're not only losing the goal threat and we we know we've been relying on two players just for the goals this season we're losing the means of getting the ball up the pitch there as well so it was it's just so imperative how important he is to us now yeah i think there's you know we'll we'll come on to this a little bit later on but there's definitely definitely um a really really clear angle around that that whole patterns of, of play piece that we spoke about over the last couple of weeks around Mourinho's ideas about how to attack and how to transition the ball between your centre-backs to your front players and get them into dangerous areas. And it's becoming starkly obvious that Kane is just such a phenomenal footballer that even though teams know that he's going to be the the primary point of connection between um, our, our kind of our defensive unit and the attack and Son most notably, although Lucas had a very good game as well. Um, it, he's just so good that people can't stop it anyway. You know, even if you know that he's going to be that link player, he does things that other players, not many other players in the world can do. Anyway, let's fly on and get into the good bits because it was, it, it was a good performance and it was one that, Sean, you will have to undoubtedly include with a green box... In your in your did Spurs perform well category? You, you, there's no getting away from it. It was a good performance. Yeah, you, you just reminded me. I need to update the sheet. Actually, I still remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. assumed it you was... were sitting there in the stadium, shading it in because you were in the stadium the other day, Sean. Oh, it was it was bloody freezing yesterday. Though I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do all that maths on my calculator on my phone. I'm genuinely convinced, Sean. That so, Sean Sean texts me maybe about 45 minutes after the game finished, saying. I've had a shocker. Are you still at the stadium? And I was like, what does that mean? Like, you've had a shocker as in you're, you're still here? Like, something's happened, you're injured or hurt or something. And then he, he just takes me down, I've left my charger there. So I went to go and get, my, went to go and get, my, get, get Sean's charger. And I'm convinced that it wasn't a case of you actually forgetting your charger. It's just that your hands were so cold, you couldn't physically prize it from the plugs there at the stadium. <laughs> Honestly... <laughs> It was it was about a twenty minute endeavour trying to get it out of the bloody plugs. Couldn't get my hands to it. Um, did you enjoy the game, Sean? Did you get a lot from it? Just in terms of in, in terms of seeing Spurs play on the front foot. I did. It was nice. It's just enjoyable for us to have the kind of players that we have, and we even brought in guys who were kind of squad players like Lucas and Lamella. They came in and they looked like they'd been in, they'd had a run of form for weeks. Like it was just nice to have that kind of rhythm and attack and this endeavour to make chances. Like I remember. Particularly in the first half, Lamella was trying lots of little dinked balls over the top for Kane and Son, little crosses, little floaty balls. Like it was just this notion of trying that we were trying things, we were trying them all match, and it was just so refreshing to have that. Like because we miss watching us play like that. We in the in the autumn when we had a good run, we were playing really good football, and then you just wish we could see it more often. Right, apologies for the small break in proceedings, but we just wanted to give you a quick message from our new sponsor. That's right, we're a branded podcast now. So Support for a What a Night is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so come along and join the fun. We have an exclusive offer for listeners of Oh What A Night, 20% off, plus free shipping with the code 90min20. So get involved, get 20% off, and don't use the same trimmer that you use on your face as you use on your crown jewels. It, it, it sort of appeared to me, though, that that's been there or been available, Dan, the whole time. Like that, particularly against Burnley, Brighton, Crystal Palace, perhaps Palace to some lesser extent, but against a lot of the sides that we haven't performed hugely well against, there has been an alternative. Like, I, I realise West Brom were, were very, very poor, but it's certainly shown that we could attack yeah. for larger periods of the game. Yeah, I think you have to caveat this like entire podcast with the fact that West Ham were re- uh, West Brom, sorry, were really, really rubbish. Uh, so it's difficult to draw too many conclusions from the game. Kind of in the same way that I suppose Sheffield United with the back three, you sort of thought, oh, is, is this the way Mourinho is going to play uh, going forward, and is it going to be successful? And and it was the way he was going to play for the next few games, but it wasn't successful, and that that was kind of followed by three straight defeats in the league. Similarly, there was a kind of slightly different system yesterday and I think it was encouraging. Like Ndombele obviously dropped back and that made room for another attacker. I think a lot of people, and we've had the discussion on this pod, think that Ndombele playing in the kind of Dembele role suits his skill set really well and he can kind of break the press and get the ball forward and and it's quite a nice thing um, to have in the locker. And then that opens the door for someone like Lamella or Lucas or Delhi or Lo Celso when they're fit to come into the team and add an extra like creative and, and goal threat. So I think, yeah, that that, that was encouraging. Um, yes, it's been in the locker all season. You know, we've, we've said it many times in this pod, but, you know, kind of 1-0 up against Brighton or Burnley or, um, you know, nil-nil against West Brom at the Hawthorns or, or even against Chelsea, you know, midweek. We've we've all thought, you know, is there a point where you, instead of continuing to be reactive, you know, do you say, well, we're winning 1-0, but, you know, here's Deli Alley who's going to come on and give you something else to think, to think about. Or, you know, here come Lamella and Lucas who are going to, you know, give you some more problems. And that's not really been what Spurs have done. Um, so I think it's, it's been there. Um, and, and I hope that this kind of change of system, which has opened the door for for another number ten, will be the way that, that Spurs play going forward. Um, particularly with with Delhi back when he's fit. Judy, any raise on that? I, yeah, on 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 Dumbele playing a little deeper. Um, it just it shows that we've got more sort of um, assertive attacking players who can play there because like Hoybier got a lovely assist for. Uh, for for Kane's goal, so you've got players all around who can who can play those slide passes, and it it does make a massive difference when you've got those players who show for the ball a lot easier in those central positions rather than somebody who's just gonna run and run for days like a Sissoko who can't really you know be in that position or make that pass, or at least he hasn't when he's played for Spurs. Um, so yeah, getting that extra attacker in. Kane was finding a load of a load of spaces. Like uh, he seemed to pop up in the box all the time, and West Brom were nowhere near him. Um, and having that extra attacker rather than an an um, who will go like beyond West Brom's that line was uh, was really positive for sure. 
Yeah, it definitely felt to me like in the second half against Liverpool. Yeah, in the second half against Liverpool, when we kind of mixed things up and the changes happened at half time, it felt like there was no intentional structure there. I really didn't understand what we were trying to do, and it felt like it was all a bit haphazard, and there wasn't any real thread connecting the attacking sequences. It felt like yesterday we started from the outset with a more attacking mindset, but everyone knew what their role was within that within that team. And we were providing a platform with Endombele and Hoybier for the players in the front four to go and actually do what they do best. Everyone looked freed up a lot. I thought I thought Lamella actually, to, to Sean's point, I thought Lamella was was the best version of Lamella. I thought he gave all of the things that you want him to give, combative, aggressive, uh, nasty, niggly fouls where he needed them, um, but also looked dangerous when he was on the ball. And there was a couple of points where he was maybe just a few centimetres away from finding that pass that was going to unlock the defence. <clears throat> I guess, Sean, the, the, the question is, is, could you still do that? without Harry Kane in the side. In theory, is it Kane that brings it all together or was it a strategy piece that changed? I think maybe a bit of both. I think what Kane brings is just undeniable, not just in terms of goals, but in terms of making the players around him better now. Like I think that's been the big thing of him kind of adding this kind of creative streak to himself. Like, it it just makes it, everything kind of make sense. It make like he has the kind of gravity around him that I think only a few players. I think in the Premier League, the only player with that kind of gravity is De Bruyne. Like you just if you let him have some space with the ball, he's gonna make a chance or he's gonna have a shot, and it's gonna be really good. I think Kane has the same kind of gravity about him, so obviously that's a big miss. But I think it's just like we said, like the, the game. There are the games where there was no plan. It was we had Son up top. We had he was flanked by who Bergwijn and Vinicius played one game, and they just, played we just the didn't know. Me. Yeah, we just didn't know how to really progress the ball. But then, and I think this is a credit to Lucas and Lamella as well that these are two. They're seen as squad players. They're seen as guys who are like kind of in the Europa League kind of category of player that we've got. They're not going to like be at the club like in the long term from now. Like the. the when people talk about squad progression and moving the squad forward, then they, they're talking about guys like Lamella and Lucas moving on. They came in and they played their roles superbly. Like you said, Lamella was working really hard. He was really making chances. Lucas was looking really lively on the ball. He was stretching the play. That is exactly the kind of commitment you need. That, I think that was important from Reno, that he had the commitment of these guys who don't get much game time, that they came in and they are the ones that had good performances as well as all the key guys as well. That It kind of showed... I know it's only West Brom, but it showed that these guys haven't quite given up yet and I think the win isn't the important thing it was the fact that it didn't look like the players were downing their tools it's quite fortunate in that sense though because the guys that like Lamella and Lucas are exactly the sort of people that you'd want on the periphery from a character type point of view Jude is they're not guys that are going to be consistently upset in the apple cart and and I mean Lucas for example just seems to have consistent good energy perhaps political leanings aside um, he's, he's <laughs> consistently good energy around the place, even when he's not playing. Does seem to be like very upbeat. 
Well, like every Twitter or Instagram post he puts out has an extra coys every time it goes out, doesn't it? So yeah, coys, 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 coys. Yeah, I mean they're they're obviously two lads who um who get through a lot of running as well, and they probably frustrate a lot of Spurs fans with their with their final ball sometimes, or you know Lamella doing just that one uh, ball roll too many, or Lucas running into someone. But they like yeah, especially their characters brilliant, and they were a lot more expressive. Um, yesterday like I think both had runs where they just tried to go like straight into the box and like both nearly came off as well um, so yeah they're, they're good in that little Europa League squad and like Stevie Bergwijn hasn't been amazing in the last few games so they're good options to to come in to come in for those sort of players when they're not cutting it okay I'm gonna cut cut straight to the core on the bad um, for some reason and I'll let I'll let you go first on this, Dan, in terms of predicting why this is. But for some reason, there's like a weird aftertaste from yesterday. Um, even though Spurs have gone out, dominated the game, created a lot of chances, looked good in possession, and been fairly ruthless in front of goal as well. Kane scoring again. Son, who's been quiet for the last few weeks, back on the score sheet as well. Why is there this weird feeling amongst the Spurs fans? Why is there still this little bit of like a... It's almost like a splinter in in the back of people's minds, it feels, do you think? Well, I don't think a win over West Brom makes everything right. I mean, if if that's true, like then it's totally understandable. I mean, there's still concerns and I think... To go back to what we've been talking about, the the kind of newish system and the slightly more positive approach, that obviously has to work against a better side before we can start talking about it as a as a way to sort of save the season or, or a blueprint for recovery, basically. And and there's two really tough games this week, you know, away at Everton and, and Man City, um, and Wednesday will be interesting in that. Mourinho has tended to rotate in the Cups, but he'll want to keep that mood up and that momentum going. And obviously he sees the Cups as a, as a very big part of this season since the league forms kind of nosedived. But at the same time, he'll need to, to rotate, I imagine. You know, guys like Alderweireld will definitely need a rest, I would have thought. Um, and guys like Bale desperately need minutes. And then City's a, a challenge because there is a, a pretty conservative and, and kind of reactive blueprint for beating them uh, at least at home in the last couple of games so you'd think Mourinho will want to go back to that with kind of Sissoko in so you know it's another big week coming up I think it was a pos- definitely a positive um, Sunday but at the same time like it, it, you know, it doesn't change the fact that Spurs were desperately poor against Liverpool in the second half and Brighton and Chelsea and you know it still feels like there's there's kind of deep rooted problems at each end of the pitch that need to be worked out but i think you can only beat what's put put in front of you and definitely some kind of green shoots of recovery uh, and and things to look forward to with with the injured players coming back as well Sean, if if losing to chelsea is two or three steps in the wrong direction losing to brighton is two or three steps in the wrong direction um losing to liverpool potentially even more how many steps forward is a win against West Brom? Probably just one. And and I, I'm trying to be kind of fair because I did enjoy it yesterday. I thought 
it was the most positive we've looked in a long, long, long time in the Premier League. Like, I think... I don't think we've played that kind of way since we drew with West Ham. I think that's how long it's been in a league game that we've had that kind of performance. So I'm trying to be fair there, but the the flip to that is that it has been that long. That this isn't... Like Dan said, this isn't going to be a quick fix now. We can't just say, oh, we beat West Brom, we outplayed and we had like what 100 million percent possession is fine everything's good now that's not the case it's you know we have to get through this week it's a tough week like we said it's Everton the FA Cup and they're, they're going to be going for it don't don't get that mistaken then we go to City the most informed team in the league top of the league now looking like kind of the certainty to take the league title but I think the thing that will kind of get Marina up for that is that he'll be seeing that as a rehearsal for the League Cup final I think when, we, when we're sitting here later in the week and we're talking about that game more <laughs> I, think him, I think we might have a bit of dread as we get closer to it throughout the week like I, I'm not like it's, it's really annoying that the West Brom game isn't followed by like, a, like I don't know Palace at home or something like that that we've got these kind of two very difficult fixtures which will probably look more like the other games Do, do you think if it is a kind of dress rehearsal say do you think he plays it with the intention of, right, this is exactly how I will go out in the, the League Cup final? Or he'll try a couple of different formations over the course of the 90 minutes to see whether he can test the waters a little bit? I think he'll have an idea in mind of how he wants to play in the League Cup final. And he'll he'll probably get, try to outthink Guardiola by like doing a, a weird little twist to it. Like, So if he wants to play like a 4-3-3, he'll play... A four-three-three, but one of the midfielders is really advanced for the game of the weekend, for example. Whereas in the final, they'll be a little bit deeper, so, something like that. That's just that's how I see Mourinho's plan to beat Pep Guardiola in a cup final. Judy, it's such a strange um, kind of thing to have on the horizon, isn't it? That something that could be so incredibly positive. But it's so separated from the league form. It's so nothing to do with the league form, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all of our emotions have been all over the place the last year or so. So um, I guess it, I guess it makes sense that it's a bit, it's a bit whack and out of line. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, things have just changed a lot over the last few months with regards to Spurs' um, league form because they, we were sat maybe two months ago saying. You know, it's joint top, it's not top, it's joint... No, beg your pardon, it's top, not joint top. Um, so, so, so yeah, I think, I think Spurs have just... Uh, they obviously lack Kane in recent games and things haven't gone particularly well there. And City have come in and absolutely smashed it recently. We've got a, got a bit of thinking to do for that cup final. Yeah, annoyingly, Man City has been very, very good. It's now a 14-point gap between Spurs and City, which is mad when you consider where we were in December. Um, let's let's talk about the ugly bits. Was there anything that anyone wants to raise? I'm completely open to the idea that we don't need to do ugly this week because we've kept a clean sheet and because we've won a game. So if no one's got anything, I am happy to skip because we've done more than enough bad stuff over the past three weeks. <laughs> but if anyone has got anything, chuck it out. Go on, Dan. I think the the only thing that's a bit of a concern is Oreo's injury. I don't know if that counts as ugly. That, but no, very much so. I think it'd been decent since Liverpool, you know, dropped for Brighton, but then came back and was probably one of the few positives against Chelsea. And 
he 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 does play well more often than not, and I think missing him while Regulon is out would be would be a big problem. Um, Davis was a bit more adventurous yesterday and played quite a big part in the second goal with, with a kind of great run to to create space for Kane, and he led off to to Hoiberg, so that was encouraging. But Spurs obviously missing Regulon a, a lot and and not having Aurier in there uh, for City and Everton and, and possibly beyond, who knows? I don't, I don't know what the problem is. Um, that would be that would be a blow, so sort of fingers crossed he's okay. It might have just been cramped, but it looked like he, he did something to his calf. They they are sort of, it's quite alarming, isn't it? The, the upgrade Aurier and Regulon bring in terms of going forward in comparison to Doherty and Davis, isn't it? Yeah, I think... We all thought that Doherty was going to be a kind of improved version of, of the attacking right back. He was maybe a bit more solid and and a bit more consistent in the final third. And, and that might still prove to be the case, but I think his confidence just looks really shot at the moment. And he was obviously so bad against uh, Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. And then dropped for Brighton with Sissoko going in there, which wasn't a good look for him. Um, so, yeah, I think... At the moment, there's there's two clear first choice at fullback that they're neither of them are perfect, but they're but they're both pretty effective, and that they're both quite a big threat in the final third. Um, there was a game I remember coming on and saying, they, I haven't been so impressed by a pair of attacking Spurs fullbacks since Walker and Rose. I can't remember when that was. Was that Fulham? Perhaps? Yeah, it probably would have been first half yeah. of Fulham, which wasn't so long ago. Yeah, so. You know, the, the, when they're in the team, it has occasionally worked really well. And, and without both of them, I think I'd, I'd kind of worry about what Spurs had there, basically. Do you know what? It's, it's a really, really good point that you make about Doherty, because I, I hadn't really thought about it from a, a confidence point of view. It must be so difficult to see someone who's a midfielder brought into the side in front of you. And someone that you know is, is kind of like technically quite limited right like everyone knows that Sissoko has got a lot of great assets but in terms of his his technical abilities and his passing for example you would if you're a dotty you would back yourself to to outpass him um it must be so hard to be a player in that situation to try and recover mentally and I, I don't know did, did anyone else see I think I brought this up on the pod on Friday, but did anyone else see in the Liverpool game, Doherty was directly asking Mourinho for advice. Like he was directly, he was sort of standing on the side of the pitch and <clears throat> they're only separated by a couple of yards. And Doherty's on the right-hand side and he was asking Mourinho whether he could go forward and, and, and press the ball, which I found really interesting because I thought, you should almost be running on autopilot, right? You should know whether you're going to go and press the ball in advance. You should know whether you are going to sit in and wait for people to come on to you. And if you're doing that, it almost implies that there's a second guessing of your own decision making. And that then, as as Dan said, kind of comes back to the point about confidence and about the point about knowing and having faith in your own ability. I just, I, I don't know, Jude, whether whether we're going to potentially see him recover over the course of the next few games, because we know that Mourinho has this trust issue around certain players, right? He's going to Mm -hmm. play the players that he trusts. And if he doesn't trust someone, they're not necessarily going to get a look in. Yeah. Well, he's got, he's got that sort of group of 
15, 16 players that you, you can tell he properly trusts and has no issues playing them. Um, and then maybe there are the, the guys looking in from the out, outside on that. But Doherty played on he played on the left, didn't he? Against uh, against Liverpool for for much of it. I think he probably just needs a little more clarity over what his role in the Spurs team is when he does play. Because it, it doesn't seem to be um, like bomb forward and get balls into the box or um, or arrive at the back stick and stick him in like he did for Wolves. Um, and then when he's stuck in to play on the left against Liverpool, um, you know, against like Salah and Alexander-Arnold, um, <laughs> that confidence probably is going to gonna get shot pretty quickly so i do i do kind of feel for him a little bit in that regard it's a bit of a weird it's one funny you... go on sorry mate yeah it's funny you, you bring that up because i actually saw an article recently where, which was kind of like it was, someone made a point they were trying to criticize Mourinho's man management but it was from i think it was from around 2017 when he was at man united and Mourinho was talking about Shaw, and he said he's got phenomenal kind of physical and technical attributes but he he needs to stop using my football brain because he said that when he was on um, the dugout side of the pitch, Al Trafford, he was always asking him for like tactical instructions and what to do and stuff. And so I'm wondering if Mourinho is thinking the same about Doherty there, and that may that might have been in his thinking why he was dropped for Brighton, and that I can't. That Luke Shaw at least was about 22, 23 was at Man United. Doherty's what do you think? He's just turned 29. Like this is a full-fledged senior pro who is still not kind of sure what they're doing at this level. I can't trust that kind of guy. So. I don't know. Maybe it's best. Maybe it's best. Doherty doesn't find out about that comment, but it can't. It can't. have impressed Mourinho, surely. Yeah, and I do. I, I do just wonder whether the, the the version of Doherty that we bought is not the version of Doherty that we're putting out on on the pitch. You know, he was a very different player at Wolves to the type of style of play that Spurs are playing. It must be difficult. It just must be difficult trying to. Bring yourself up to a level of confidence where you feel as if you can go out and perform when it's not a position or a style of play that you're used to. Um, like you said, he was drifting into advanced areas and looking to get into the box when when attacks were going down the left-hand side at Wolves. How many times have we seen him do that for Spurs? How many times have we even had opportunities drifting in from the left-hand side and people getting crosses into the box from the left? It's fairly irregular. And when it has been there, it's been regular. And, and the target is Harry Kane in the middle. Um, anyway, we must fly on. Beautiful bits. There's lots to look at. I mean, Harry Kane, the the chess pass that he made, Hoybier's assist, um, and Dombele sort of getting through another decent amount of game time. Uh, anything stand out for anyone in particular? Uh, Dane Scarlett being a Spurs first 16-year-old, or the first 16-year-old to play for Spurs in the Premier League. Mad. I don't, good, I quite, good for him. Quite like the quote from Mourinho, I wanted to be the one who gave it to him because this kid's <laughs> yeah. going to be somebody. <laughs> It's oh, great for Mourinho because he's got he's got the get out of if someone up, brings it up in a few years time he's just like oh I can't I wasn't with him the whole way that's not my fault it's like when he said <laughs> when he was at Chelsea he said if the likes of Solanke Abraham Loftus Cheek Izzy Brown don't make aren't like the core of the England team then you have to blame me no one remembers that now no one cares <laughs> it's great it's great for him in the moment <laughs> sorry I'm taking the shine away from the beautiful yeah yeah it's great to have Dane <laughs> yeah you, 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 you can well imagine Mourinho. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can well imagine him in like a few years' time if Dame Scarlett is a you know one of the most promising young players in the country, kind of constantly reminding people that he gave him this Premier League debut, <laughs> even though he didn't kick a ball. Uh, but it definitely was, was a positive, and I think it apparently is the first under twenty one player Spurs have used in the Premier League this season. Um, wow! So, um, yeah, that that's something that sort of changed changed that stat for um, for the better. Dan, did you did you have that moment when Ben Davis kind of drifted into the pocket of space on the left hand side? Where you're like, play him in, play him in, play him in for Dane Scarlett. You know, he just got on the. I pitch. thought there was a. Yeah, I thought there was a point where Lucas... I mean, I was kind of head down finishing my, my piece at this point, but I think there wasn't there a point where Lucas could have got his head up and... and yeah, kind of Lucas had drifted into... Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, it would have been nice if he had a touch full stop. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a positive thing. And I think Mourinho's obviously investing quite a lot in him and Alfie Devine, who I think are training full-time with the first team you said the other day. So that's that's quite exciting. And, you know, Spurs fans rightly always are well invested in, in kind of young players like that breaking through. Yeah, it's nice as well because it, 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 it at a time when everything seems like there's so much emphasis on the present day, it's nice to know that there's still something there that's, that, like you said, shoots for, for, for later on and things for us to be optimistic about three, four years down the line as well, which is a bit of a treat. Um, next up, Everton. Um, now this is, a really, really big game in in some senses because you feel as if Spurs this season maybe do have to focus on the cup, Sean. And in terms of a one-off game, I don't really see us fearing anyone. Um, Yet this has kind of... It's not even a banana skin, is it? But Everton just look decent at the moment. Like a side that could turn us over. So what Spurs side do you reckon goes out against Everton? I wouldn't be surprised if he went same again, even though I know we got City at the weekend, but I think he might want to believe now that there is real kind of momentum with this team, that there's an identity, there's a blueprint. I think he'll want to try and see that again. I'm hoping he's going to try and see that again because I don't, I'm don't. i not I'm not looking forward to it. If it's 90 minutes of suffering, I really <laughs> would not like that. Jude, same 11 for you or some changes? Uh, maybe a few changes. I don't want ninety minutes of suffering either. To be honest, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd enjoy that. Um, <laughs> maybe. I mean, uh, maybe Winks comes in and sits in um, in the middle of the park, and and I doubt. I doubt Bale or Ali will get starts, but one of those featuring would be nice. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I'd imagine a similar team too. Maybe Hart in goal. Dan, any chance of seeing Gareth Bale? Do you reckon? I think probably there's a chance of seeing him, at least from the bench. I mean, it sort of feels like Mourinho's kind of given up on him a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, the, the last few games, not bringing him on and only bringing on two subs, slightly worrying. But, yeah, I mean, I think there will be some minor rotation. Uh, I don't think Alderweireld will, will play because he'll be needed against City. So, you know, perhaps... That'll be quite revealing about where Dyer stands after the Chelsea mistake. You know whether whether Roden comes in and plays with Sanchez, which would be, I think, the first time Roden would have started in a two since since Stamford Bridge, or or whether Dyer comes back. You know that there's yeah there's a lot of in, intrigue there, and I think he'll make a few changes. As I said, the the most interesting thing for me will be whether it's it's the kind of three attackers behind Kane and and Ndombele deep 
whether he sticks with that and, and goes for it a bit or whether it's a bit more uh, a bit more contained um, yeah which would be a sort of the way you play against City you'd imagine okay so Everton v Spurs Wednesday night 8.15 kickoff so we'll be back with you on Thursday to hopefully break down another good Spurs win flying through to the next round of the FA Cup um, and uh and it'd you know, be interesting to see who we draw because there are still some teams in there that would just be slightly easier than others. And apparently on paper, Spurs have, over the course of the last few years, had the easiest draws of any side in the Premier League, which I find very difficult to believe whilst Man City is still in the competition. But uh, but yeah, fingers crossed for a Spurs win and, and a decent draw in the FA Cup. We're back on Thursday. In the meantime, please do leave us a review and subscribe if you haven't. See you all next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.